0: Fruits, or five pounds for a pint of fierce, or a daiquiri, any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds! foot there. It is Madison. Hello and welcome along to episode 137 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm your host Gary Scott and joining me this evening is the one and only Graham Steele. Graham, how's it going? Good, thank you. Excellent stuff. Uh, Gavin is citing Barry Robinson-esque travel fatigue for not being with us tonight. Your thoughts on that, Graham?
1: <laughs> utter shambles. And as for Gav, even bigger shambles.
0: Lovely stuff. In a week that saw... Marvin Bartley's PS5 hammering Queen of the South inflict yet more Scottish Cup misery on James Michael Goodwin that saw the end of the big dick experience down at Arbroath and that laughably saw an independent panel find that only three VAR errors have happened in the cinch premiership since its inception. Maybe a little bit more on that to come, Graham. What do you think? Quite possibly. Um, Before we get going, actually, obviously, just as we're recording, the fourth round draw for the Scottish Cup is literally just been made. The dawn's drawn away to Clyde. Um, the f- I'm, uh, we just before we joined, came on here, I was trying to think if we've ever actually played at Broadwood. They're not at Broadwood though now, are they, Clyde? They're at, are they at stenhouse the Are they at That's a good point, actually,
1: because they, did that, did they not renew or did they not get that renewed?
0: They got The um, council stadium, wasn't it? They got hoofed out of there in the wake of attempting to re-sign a certain striker. If I recall.
1: Yeah, I remember the threat. I couldn't remember if, actually, if they
0: actually actually did it. Um. Anyway, on the face of it, um, not a bad draw. Obviously, League Two opposition. Um, away from home, you'd obviously rather have a home draw, but could be worse. Uh, yeah, you would choose a home draw, but
1: you've avoided theoretically the trickier opponent. So I think
0: you know, You'd expect to come through that. I am saying that of course <laughs> full well in the knowledge of the fact that we drew a non-league side um last season at uh, this it's round. So different season. They're at Hamilton. They're at the Hamilton they're at Hamilton Stadium, that's where they're at. Okay. So that's gonna be shite. Great.
1: Look, pack at um, the Sainsbury's end.
0: Indeed. Um notable ties, I guess, elsewhere. Bucky Thistle, your second team, uh, with a trip to Celtic Park, which I guess will be one that the, the Onians will be enjoying from a, a payday perspective, nothing else one would imagine.
1: I was just thinking, yeah, that uh, I'm sure that will bring in
0: some much needed funds. And what a surprise! Once again, Sevco with a draw against a team from the lower reaches of the of the competition as well. But yeah, a couple of um, a couple of interesting ones there. Not, not I think there's only one. There's only one all premiership tie, I think, which is Kilmarnock against Dundee, Tony Dock against Big Deke, um, and that one. But hey, let's wait and see what happens on that because it is going to be another um, fairly jam packed episode tonight on the ABZFP as we look back at our one one draw with Sevco on Sunday in the Central check-in with all the latest news uh, from Pathology Way this week. We'll check in with the young team. We might not check in too much with the Quines um, as they were both in action this week. Check in with our loanies and low loan watch, and then after the break, it's another double header for us to preview as the season just keeps on rolling, rolling, rolling. As first we look ahead to our Europa Conference League tie with HJK Helsinki in Finland alongside Ali Manson from the Escape to Suomi podcast. And then we'll look ahead as well to next weekend's trip to Leith as the Dawns travel to face Hibs in the cinch. But first, Aberdeen 1, Sevco 1, Sunday, 26th of November. 2023 at Patology Stadium in the Cinch Scottish Premiership. Three changes from last time out at Celtic Park. Jamie McGrath returning from injury alongside Ryan Duncan. And a first start for the Dons for Esther Sokler. Jack McKenzie, who was injured. Johnny Hayes and Dante Polvara all dropping out. Jimmy McGarry making a welcome return to the bench as well. Got a bright start for the Dons. Rubizic getting his, his head onto a Clarkson free kick in the first minute. But his header was, in the end, dealt with comfortably by Butland. Sokler then with a golden chance to get his first league goal. Devlin winning the ball before feeding Clarkson. His through ball, perfect for the Slovenian to burst onto. But his effort one-on-one with Butland was stopped by the English keeper's legs. Kelroos then with a fine stop to deny Lawrence before the Dons. Took what was, at the time, a deserved lead in the most Route 1 slash Robson ball style Imaginable. Rus's lofted ball forwards, and I'm I'm still convinced he scuffed us a bit, but never mind. Flicked on, slash powered on brilliantly by Sokler, and Miowski latched onto it to finish beautifully first time into the bottom corner. In the aftermath of that, somehow Cantwell avoiding being booked for what was, let's just say, an outrageous dive in the Don's penalty box. The visitors then beginning to get a bit of a foothold in the game, a corner given, despite the fact the ball hit the post. And not Kelrus. And then from the resulting corner, I wouldn't have been surprised to have seen this concede here in the most Aberdeen of ways. But no, Rus had to make two great stops first from Balogun and then from Lundstrom as the ball bobbed around the box. McGrath forcing Butland to another stop as the game kind of ebbed and flowed a little bit towards half time. But the Dons did hold out to go into the break, a goal to the good. Second half, fair to say, Graham, that the home side were content to sit in and defend for 45 minutes. Um, subs coming for us. After the hour mark, see McGarry on for Duncan, then Polvara for Sokler. Lawrence then, with a looping effort, which came off the bar from distance, it seemed from our vantage point in the Merkland to have been wonderfully stopped by kellrus Roos. Duke for with 10 minutes left on the clock, and despite their possession, started to feel as though the visitors had run out of ideas before a corner ended with Lammers hoofing the ball over the bar before Vara intervened to highlight a slight tug by Gartenman on Goldson, failing to highlight, obviously, the block on Gartman at the same time. And despite no one appealing for it at the time and the fact that Goldson wasn't going to be anywhere near the ball anyway, Nick Walsh, he, of course, who teaches PE at a Sevco-affiliated secondary school in the Mulgai and Glasgow area, uh, with little hesitation in awarding a penalty kick, Tavenier with it, sending Roos Diving to his right. But the Sevco captain put it straight down the middle. Lammers then with a real late chance to win it at the death and a repeat of that game in December last year but his header was straight at Roos full time 1-1 so Graham, um where to start with that one it feels like the end might be the best place to start
1: yeah it's really uh, quite disappointing at the end actually the way that finished up uh, And second half we were yeah I don't know it's just like two different teams isn't it um, basically just inviting them on but you know at the end of the day they hadn't scored and the game was pretty much over um, until their until their pals decided to intervene
0: yeah we're gonna to c- touch on the second half performance in a minute or two but um as you can kind of say after it felt like we'd somehow ridden the second half out it's just such a so sappingly yep. miserable but yet all too predictable way for the game to end
1: yeah but especially where so the corners dealt with and we're like, okay that's fine you know rush' take a goal kick we're all getting set because like you say nobody was nobody was complaining for anything. Uh, and then all of a sudden, wait a minute, why, is, why has the ref got that stupid look on his face? Why is he <laughs> suggesting that he's checking something? And then as soon as that happens, you know it's game
0: over. Yeah, indeed. Um, it's one of those, because at the ground, obviously, you just got no idea what's going on. Um, yep. I, I still, you know, even at the time, didn't really know it was actually a check for kick because the, the tannoy system, the Merkel in the stands, when well, they it, so it sounds a little bit
1: like the...
0: It's like babe. Is um, the,
1: Yeah, it is pretty poor. They do put it up on the scoreboard.
0: Yeah, but about five minutes after but you after the what's going on. Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, And it's kind of, I don't know, I've seen some people say tonight that, and Willie Miller on the radio and even Richard Gordon, who I thought was meant to be an Aberdeen fan, um, were kind of making out that, well, definitely was a penalty kick because so it was a tug. And okay, I think there's clearly a tug from Garton and on it. But I, I think the problem for me is it's at exactly the same time Garteman's being blocked off by Lammers which should also be a free kick so it's kind of six and a half a dozen as far as I'm concerned. Um, When you add into the fact that Goldson's getting nowhere near it anyway when you watch the replay back, Walsh looks at it he's looking straight at it in real time no fucking appeals for it at the time I mean, I know it's probably us now saying it because it's gone against us tonight but we're getting in real danger now of games just being re-refereed aren't we over and over and over again.
1: Yeah Uh, yeah, that's kind of how it feels um i don't think that's it's not dangerous play i don't know if it's clear and obvious and if that's really the new level of officiating then there has to be many penalties next weekend because you will see that at every set piece well,
0: you're not going to tell me that rangers haven't pulled a shirt in their box in the last 68 games since VAR has been introduced
1: you're not telling me that everyone <laughs> hasn't pulled shirts in the box in every game uh, it's like sometimes when VAR calls something back, you're like, gosh see so if you didn't have VAR, but then you look at it and you go, yeah, that's a foul. Well, fine, fair enough. But if it's going down to that nth degree uh, and you just know it won't be consistent, you just know nothing will happen next weekend, even though there'll be multiple incidents that are the same. So yeah, it's getting really, uh, I think it's getting out of hand, to be honest. I mean, who actually, what, what do you want the games to be decided on? The 11 players on the pitch or someone in a van who's in danger of losing his coupon?
0: Yeah, and I guess it goes back to the key question about this for me is that those types of incidents I don't think are being checked for anyone else other than the two Glasgow teams.
1: People will say, you know, sour grapes. And there's a bit of that, like you said, didn't go our way and maybe some things have done. But if you you just looked over the course of pick any period of time, (laughs) a match day, a week, a season, the amount of nonsense decisions that they get versus everyone else
0: uh because realistically with the introduction of R, you should have seen a level of l- leveling out of this
1: well yeah you shouldn't so it shouldn't just be more penalties for one team everyone should be getting more penalties
0: or everyone's getting
1: fewer depending on which way that sort of standard of officiating was versus what they can check with FAR. but yes because it's not like uh you know they use the argument oh we're attacking more I, I, I Okay, there, there's, a, there's a level of... There's an element of that. Yeah. But yeah, to your point, there shouldn't be some sort of astronomical uptick in the number of penalties that they get versus everyone else. Um, but I don't know how you actually do anything about it because what you need is a strong set of club chairmen. It's not actually singling out Rangers. You need a strong set of club chairmen to stand up to the authorities and that that has never happened and
0: I don't think ever will happen. Yeah, because I must admit that that was one of the only things I was kind of relatively positive about the introduction of VAR was going to be, was that we would perhaps have seen a slight leveling of the of, of, of the playing field. Um, there would be no hiding place for referees, was my view, who made ridiculous decisions, excuse me, on pitch when they knew they were going to have to be reviewed and it would be highlighted to them. But it just seems like it's almost gone in completely the other way. I mean, that's, and it's not just us. There was the penalty that Rangers got as well against Livingston, you know. Uh, that uh, one, I cannot believe. that uh, It's been reviewed uh, again. I, like, I can I can understand the referee being conned in real time.
1: I understand that. I, I totally understand that because we've, we've seen all seen it. things that you're like, oh, that's a film and you see it again. It's not or vice versa. So that bit I understand. And that's where the technology should help. And I understand a lot of these opinions are subjective, Um you know theoretically offside is a yes or a no i know there's fine lines but that's maybe one where you can say he's on or he's off yeah but some of those decisions i just don't understand how a supposed professional officiator can look at that and be like that's fine with me <laughs> and then someone else looks at it and goes that's also fine with me absolutely <laughs> crazy absolutely because again so that that's a good example where someone's watched at the screen and hasn't just laughed it off and said, Book the boy. Like, no, no, you should check this.
0: And he's watched it again, he'd be like,
1: eh, yeah, maybe that's a penalty.
0: It's just it, it's it, just but that's what you're up against. It is. I know. And it's it's maddening and it's sickening. I perhaps didn't feel quite so deflated about it this afternoon, um, as I maybe ordinarily would have, and I maybe come on why that was later on. But just when you think you've ridden it out, for the three points to be kind of taken away from you in such a circumstance is just so frustrating. And it's on decisions like that that, you know, um those two points could be crucial for us coming into the season. Um, who knows? The league is shaping up to be incredibly tight again, I think it's fair to say. Um jumping back then to, I guess the starting lineup, two big surprises in the starting lineup, I think it's fair to say for everybody, the inclusion of Ryan Duncan in for Jack McKenzie in the kind of left wing back role. And then Esther Sokler in for Johnny Hayes, with us going to the three five two as opposed to the five four one that we were perhaps expecting.
1: Yeah. Um, The Duncan one, I guess he has done that before. So yeah, a bit of a surprise, but maybe not totally shocking. But the fact that Sockler actually got a game, it was quite surprising. Um, And, you know, it was the right call. I thought it was a decent game, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But um, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise to see that lineup.
0: I wonder if that just says a little bit about where Johnny Hayes maybe now is in um, the manager's thinking again. He he didn't have a particularly good game at Parkhead and he's not really had much of a sparkling start to this campaign either and I think it maybe says a lot then a game of that magnitude and we'll come up to talk well let's let's just do it now actually about Ryan Duncan you know a game of that magnitude it, it says a lot I think about what Robson thinks about Duncan whether other supporters or whatever see that in him um but to put him into that situation where he could have played Johnny Hazy maybe even could have thrown James McGarry in from the start and see how he went um on well, Duncan you know kind of chucked in the deep end I thought he did all right in the main. I, I, it's yeah. hard to be chucked in that sort of game. Playing a position that's not his natural one. Um, thought he did okay. Perhaps maybe just wanted to keep a hold of the ball a smidge too long some things.
1: I, I think so. Like Overall, I thought he did a decent job. Uh, you know, we didn't concede when he was on the, the pitch, so he didn't really do anything too far wrong. I think probably as much as I, I don't really know what his position is. I certainly don't like him in that position. But ultimately, if you look at where they are in their careers, who would I rather have Hayes who's winding down coming on and kind of doing a job in that position or probably a young man at the start of his career kind of doing a job in that position but hopefully building up some useful game experience that will hopefully benefit him and us uh, in the future if we can find what his position is or if we've decided that that's going to be his position then he obviously needs to be to be getting some games and getting some experience so I think on balance uh, I, I guess you'd probably have to pick Duncan if those were options. And like you say, he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything wrong. Um, he was he was fairly steady, which I think, considering it's clearly not his natural role, uh being steady is not actually a criticism. That's probably uh, it's probably a job well done, all things considered.
0: Yeah, and you're right as well. I mean, I think people need to remember with Duncan, he is still a young player. And he is learning this season. He's, he's, you know, he is appearing and making appearances in in big games this season for us. Yeah, so played, yeah. played well enough, I thought, in Greece against pok um, in what would have been a difficult game for him to come in as well. So it's all about building experience as well for these guys. Let's go back to Sokler really quickly. Um, first start for him. Did he do enough in your eyes to merit a starting place on a more consistent
1: basis? Do you think? I would say so. I, I thought he had.
0: A... I mean, it's
1: difficult to judge his second half performance because the whole. So yeah. Dynamic of the team and the approach kind of change. We didn't really see that much of anyone really in any sort of attacking mode. But I thought he had a good game. He looks looks quite quick. Actually, it's probably a little quicker than I quicker than I expected thought because I'm not really seeing a great deal of him. I thought he did quite well trying to. You know, obviously he does really well for uh, for putting Miowski through for the goal. Should have scored. Made some decent runs. So obviously he looks pretty comfortable with the ball at his feet as well. So overall, it was good to actually get a decent look at him. Um, And I think think there's definitely value to him playing
0: more often. I think as well, it it certainly gives us definitely more of an option now. Um, I I had been concerned before about whether he and Mijovski could play together because I I was maybe a bit concerned they might be a bit too similar in their kind of style. Um, But I thought today, as you say, they linked up pretty well in the main first half in particular. A really really good assist yeah. for the goal. Yeah, um, I, I thought I
1: thought they're quite similar. You, I thought we might find them occupying the same space, trying to do the same things. But whether that's been a misconception, or you know, or whether Robson had kind of explained almost like who's got what role in the system, regardless of what they might want to do, because uh, you do not really find them tripping over each other no. that well. Um, and they were doing quite a good job of sort of awareness as to where someone would be or what sort of a run they would they would make. So I think it worked
0: out quite well actually. Is he now ahead of Duke for you in the the pecking order?
1: Uh, I think he probably has to be because it's just not really even I mean, even in Duke's sort of relatively short cameo uh this afternoon, it's not really it's just not really happening for him. I, I understand the sort of counter to that as well. If you don't get games, you don't get the confidence, et cetera. And, and I, I understand that, but I'm not really seeing, I want to see last season's Duke, yeah. uh, or second half of last season. And I'm not really seeing it so far, whereas yeah. based on today, I feel like it's kind of difficult to take Sokler out if you're going to put Duke in, because it's not like Duke's in great form.
0: Yeah. Uh, we did touch on it. Sokler should have scored, I think it's fair to say, first half. Yeah, uh, he definitely um, should have scored. But it is, it's a wonderful, I was going to call it a flick on, but it's more like a, bullet header through pass to Miofsky, as it turns out to get in for the opening goal and you know once again it's another fantastic finish by by Boyan left footed first time just adds a little bit more value to that transfer feed isn't it?
1: Um, yeah and I, I suppose it's, it's a case of when and not if uh, with him but uh, yeah great great finish and I think they're not identical chances but they kind of are in a way that both had, were through, had time to think about what to do. Miofsky hits it. Um, I didn't actually think Saw Claire running it as far in was necessarily the problem. It's just it was
0: just, a poor finish. I thought it was a good save as well by Butler. I thought he, Butler does well to throw his legs out. I think it's probably fair to say. But um, yeah, it's the difference between the two, isn't it, right
1: now? He, he should have scored. Well, I think that is the difference. Uh, and whether that's ability, confidence, whatever it may be. Um, but the important thing was I didn't think we would get too really really good chances like that so at least we took yeah one of them because when i'll be honest with Chocolate missed that early on i was thinking ah, don't generally get that many like, very very good chances and we didn't take it and you just think that oh, we've probably been here before where that's the one but we've definitely been here before uh, right? <laughs> we have definitely been here before um but fortunately another one came along not too far down the line uh, and this time put it away
0: uh, on mioski some chat this week that, you know, we're looking to try and extend his deal, which I mean, I'm sure we absolutely are. Um, whether we're able to do that or not is a, a different matter. But I mean, it's one of these where you kind of say, do you try and get him signed up for just another 12 months, if nothing else, just to add another year on the, the, the contract. And even on that basis, I don't know, you make him like top earner for another six months to get us to the summer or something like that.
1: It's difficult because if if he goes shortly, everyone's going to be on the club so now we should have signed him. But it only works if he wants to sign And I don't know what we can... And to be fair, he signed on a four-year deal when he joined, so, you know. Yeah, so he's still got a bit of protection. It's just whether, you know, in your example, do you get to sort of mid-January and he's not really had much in his agency and there's stuff out there, but I reckon you should hold on, in which case you don't need to do anything because you're not going to get him for longer than... You're probably not going to get him to actually sign any meaningful extension. So as much as it would be great if we could because he's been
0: excellent, I'm not sure it will happen it was a really weird game in a way wasn't it because I, I kind of felt that on the whole our backline looked comfortable enough certainly with the fact that Rangers were happy to go a lot more direct than I was expecting they were going to although we always looked a little bit suspect to balls that were kind of dropped in over the top yeah. um, the midfield though really lacking at times in the first half to get a foothold in the game and then that was exacerbated further in the second half definitely not a vintage performance from Graham Shinney I thought the Lane Clarkson Struggled to get a foothold in the game as well. When he got on the ball, I thought he did fine. But second half, we were, again, really struggling in the middle of the park.
1: I think so, but we need to find a way that Clarkson's not having to do all the dirty work. You know, He's, he's, he's not lazy by any nope. means, so I don't mean he's a total passenger, but I don't think we want to be talking about him having to do any defensive work, really. Because when he did get on the ball, like you say, obviously he can... He can um, he can beat a man, he can play a pass, he can find a pass, etc. And you really want him, as much as possible, freed up to be doing that throughout the game. And it, he wasn't really getting that opportunity. And I didn't really feel like Rangers were... It's not like they were overly aggressive or necessarily particularly... Uh, I don't know how to describe it. Intense with their sort of pressing yeah. and snapping at tackles. I feel like the space was there. Because it wasn't really coming off for shinny. I feel like Clarkson's mindful of that and is trying to cover... Which is admirable for the team, but you you kind of want a system where he's got more freedom to you know drift around or find those pockets of space.
0: I felt that in the main because Rangers were happy to go quite direct today. Every time they didn't find a ball that kind of that went over the top of our back line, when it was falling just that little bit short, and our defence were dealing with it from an aerial perspective the ball was always just dropping at that midfield area and we really seemed to struggle to get onto those second balls pretty much right the way through the entirety of the game. Like you say, it wasn't like Rangers were having to be particularly intense or the moneering in the, in the centre area snapping at tackles with that. Uh, I just felt that we just really weren't close enough to them for for, for large chunks of the game and that's where the, the pressure kept on building and building and building from.
1: Yeah, it's not like we got ram as such you know, where they were just overpowered as, or they had more numbers in the midfield and we maybe should have changed the shape, I don't I mean. It just felt like everything everything just came back. They picked it up. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter who you're playing. If you're basically just conceding the midfield and inviting them on, it's going to be difficult. Uh, and especially when you're, I guess, when you're playing, then they've obviously got, they did you have some decent players? And there were, there were periods of, in the game where you think, ah, how are we going to see this
0: spell out? And I think that's a game today, it's a great example of just how we haven't really quite replaced elba Ramadani from that perspective just really still missing just somebody in that midfield area getting around the pitch and really snapping into not even snapping at tackles just being there and just being you know in people's faces and making it making people not have easy passes to to play etc good to see Jim McGarry back Today. Um I think it was feared at the time of his injury against uh, was it Ross County? I feel like it was now. Um, feared that that injury might have been a lot worse for him. So fair play for him to be back before Christmas. That does feel like a little bit of a big bonus now because with Hayes' form in particular, Jack McKenzie had kind of made the left-wing back role his own so far. Um from from my perspective, I think McKenzie's having an okay season. Um he's having he's had some really good performances, had some really poor performances. I you know that like Gav. Still, is very, very unsure about Mackenzie. Obviously, there was the the, the absolute fucking lunacy that was the the red card in the League Cup semi final. One thing I must admit is I was really dreading the prospect of going into that League Cup semi final with the prospect of our left wing back being Johnny Hayes or Ryan Duncan. So having McGarry back now as well, and hopefully we can get him back up to speed quickly. That does feel like a big bonus. Yes, uh, and we're not
1: really we've not really seen that much of him, given that he got injured kind of early on. So it's good. It uh, gives us cover. And just provides a lot of competition in there as well. Or actually maybe realistically probably means he's playing, but provides maybe a bit of competition and hopefully motivation for the guys that aren't playing. Um, you know, and they want to try and force their way back into the team. And we've obviously got quite a few games coming up, so we're going to probably need to rotate. And I guess if he's just back from that type of injury, you probably don't want to, I don't think you necessarily want to be overworking him too early, so I think there'll still be a chance that we'll see some of these other guys over the next few games.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fair play today as well to Kelries, I thought. I thought that was a massive performance from Kel today. A couple of really, really big saves. Um, I would love to... I haven't seen it back again. I wanted to see that shot from Lawrence back because from our perspective, I, I'm sure he touched it. Looked it looked like a save. And in fairness to um, I can't believe what he says, fair to Jack Butland, he was applauding the save as well. Like Obviously, goalkeepers' union back in full swing there, but It's one of these funny ones because I felt that Kel came off the back of, I'm trying to think who he played against now. Um, He had one big game when he came back in from injury last season and he kind of really started becoming a a really consistent performer for us. And he's probably had a little bit of an FA season so far. Uh, There was one moment today where he did come out and punch um, (laughs) a cross ball which landed straight at Lindstrom's feet, which had both you and I um, having kittens at the time. But other than that, a big performance from him today, a couple of really, really key stops. And hopefully again he can take some confidence from that and kick on.
1: Yeah, I would hope so. Uh he's suspect aerially, but that's not going to change at this stage in his career. But today when he was called upon, he made the saves and he made some really, really you know, some really, really big saves. So I can't really be too critical of him today. He did he did a really good job and that's the kind of level that I feel like he came back at last season post injury. So like, you know, he's got in his locker. We just need to see that more regularly. But good, good for him because he definitely kept us in that game.
0: Yeah. Although much to Gav's chagrin, of course, he did dive the wrong way for the penalty kick again. So um, just just, just another one to note there. Uh, speaking about Gav, he's not here obviously, but uh, where would the Jamie McGrath score be after today? I, I just think it's probably the same as it was. I did fine. I
1: think it's the same. McGrath had a good game, but he didn't do anything that
0: he didn't do enough I could argue. Lead. Yeah,
1: yeah. But Gav's effort doesn't call anything back.
0: No, definitely not. Absolutely not. Um, right, let's let's talk about this now because that second half performance, I I remember standing there with about 10 minutes of the game to go um, thinking to myself, I'm about to become that guy tonight and be really slating a second half performance despite the fact we'd won against them. Now, obviously, we didn't win because of the, the, the VAR call at the end, but... That second half performance just simply wasn't good enough, was it? No, it was kind
1: of this season and Robson in a bit of a nutshell. You have the first half where system and maybe personnel that we didn't expect, but it's working. We are ahead. Uh, We've been playing reasonably well in that first half I and mean, we were posing a threat. Yeah, OK, we rode our luck. Bruce made some saves, fine. But that us, that's kind of going to happen in any game you are playing. So the first half, I thought this is, I don't know if I could say I was totally enjoying it. And that's only because you're never really comfortable if it's won, because uh, anything can happen. But overall, I thought, look, we were, you know, we, yeah, we were playing, we were playing well. And I think, well, the second half, I think we were saying at halftime, you know, it looks like we can get at them. Well, obviously, we did because we scored, but it looked like we could cause them problems. So you think, you know, if we can come out and do that again, obviously gives them, something to think about when they're trying to push forward to for the equalizer and then so that's kind of like your first bit of robson where sometimes you can set up a team in a maybe me a way we were maybe not thinking well oh, i haven't seen that before i don't like that and then it's working we can do that kind of counter-attacking be slightly passive whatever it means but but it can work for us and then we just come out in the second half and I don't know what the orders were. I just don't cross the halfway line or what it is. And I assume it's got to come from the coaching staff because it's not like 11 individual players are all going to have the same idea mm-hmm. of let's just not try and attack or be in this game. And that's kind of where the other half of the Robson, which is just totally, I don't know if it's nervous, negative, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think we got, yeah, that's what I feel like is it that in a nutshell. We just kind of got a bit of everything. We got the good stuff and then we got the bad stuff in there as well and that second half I don't understand how you go from the first half which wasn't exactly sort like it was the best performance ever but it was decent Yeah, and more yeah. of that I think would have I think that would have kept us in the game a bit better because they wouldn't have had nearly as much of the ball and been able to exert the same periods of pressure as they as they were able to I mean like towards that we're looking at the clock like 15-20 minutes to go and you think ah, we're just inviting them on here We're you know it's just building up and it's building up and something's going to give I thought they probably. I thought it would maybe be a goal, but you can always be a um, you know decision away from the points getting taken off you. So I don't know how you go from the first half to the second half. And this is not like we're being um, totally over the top, as in this is the first game has happened. This has happened on more than one occasion.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like the second half in particular. Um, <laughs> second half. <laughs> second half. Our expected goals was zero point zero one. I'm not which going to is, win many games with that which is pretty pretty spectacular stuff um, I'm just to look at the second half our ball position was 28% 72 uh, I mean like at, at home, home as well do you want to know how many do you want to know how many passes we completed in the second half 50 oh close 60 yikes Um, and that for me is just not I just don't think it's good enough I heard Robson on the radio in the home bemoaning the fact that we we couldn't possibly have played at the same intensity we played the first half at in the second half. And it's like, I didn't feel we were that intense in the first half. Like, I think there was guys putting a shift in. Um, I didn't really feel as though people were, like, flat out. It was just, you know, I was... was The first half
1: performance was good and I thought everyone was playing well. But yeah, I agree. I didn't think that was 100 miles an hour... We've oh. just totally steamrolled them Because we've just been Pressing the shit out of them Or we've been so intense We were we were good And we were competitive But if, if they can't handle that uh, For more than 45 minutes Then I don't know
0: And it's also uh, The other bit they get the about this is He can change five players Yeah If he wants to um, If he's smart with substitutions He can change half of his outfield team At, at some point You know and I don't know. I get a bit baffled by stuff like this. I find these types of excuses about wearing I, I must admit, I, I I think it was perhaps I can't believe I'm gonna say this. Cause again, I was thinking about this as we when we were one 0 up that are we now gonna become these guys who are gonna sit and slate a one 0 win against them at home. But in a way, the VAR decision allows Robson to deflect on to talk about that to an extent. Yeah, it as does
1: well. give him something else. Cause everyone's talking about that. that I mean, ultimately a win is a win. But I think what annoys me about it is I genuinely believe if we could have replicated the first half in the second half, I think we would have taken the game to them, and I, and I don't think we'd have been talking about a late daft Vard call being the difference yeah. between three points or, or a point. I think we could have. I think we could have taken the game to them, and I think we could have. We could have scored again. We could have beaten them.
0: Yeah, because we showed enough times in the first half that they were they could be got at. I think the Golds and the yeah. Allagan are poor centre defensive pairing Um, if we'd have just been able to get our foot on the ball a few times and just play a few passes around and as you say the onus was on them still to come out we, we were 1-0 up there was going to be spaces created you, you, we know how high they like to overlap Barisic and Tavernier anyway give them something to think about up the other yep. end You know, even if you're just knocking balls into those corners to pin them back into and you're attempting to even get territory get up the park you know take a set piece whatever it might be i think the only chance we had we had one chance second half i could think about which was where mcgarry got fouled um by tavernier when we finally ventured up the park we clarkson swung a ball and polvara had a header which just drifted I don't know, a couple of yards past the post you could see what ha- could happen if we got up into their half and we just never did enough of it and it just felt too much like one of those like it felt a bit like park head actually to be honest um that performance second half we just sat in and let them come at us and it's inevitable what's always going to happen when you do that and I hate seeing us do that at home against anybody I don't care who, who we play against at home
1: Yeah that's what frustrates me the first half performance shows that the the team and the way he had them set up to play was working so I don't understand why now maybe if you get the 70-75 minutes and things haven't you know we haven't got a second goal for example and you're looking at the clock that's a different conversation, but to almost like go out and start the second half and just say, keep it tight, let's not do any of the good stuff that got us ahead in the first place. I don't really understand that.
0: Ultimately then, um, it means that we finish the weekend up in ninth spots, uh, Leveling Post with Motherwell, who also got a point at Celtic Park on on Saturday. Um 13 points from our opening 12 games. We have obviously played the, the lowest number of games I think of anybody in the top flight so far. So we do have at least one, possibly two games in hand on a number of teams up and down the division. Um, there's still a lot of work to be done, isn't there, to to really try and pull the wheels up on, on this campaign?
1: Uh, definitely. League position is nowhere near good enough. And especially, surely the, the aim has to be to finish third. And every week that goes by and we can't get ourselves going, it just becomes harder and harder. And then if you, you know, if you come out of the season with invested a lot, you didn't get out of the group in Europe, you might have a cup to show for it. You might have two cups, but you might have none. And then where do the excuses come in? What's the, where do we go from
0: there? Indeed, indeed. Um, topped on this afternoon?
1: Uh, I think I'll go for the sponsor approach. He scored, so Wielski. Wielski. But actually, I genuinely think that was. I don't think there's anyone in that team. I mean, a couple of guys didn't have maybe the games that we know they can. Cheney, maybe not the level he, he can be at. But I thought overall, everyone did a decent job. For the guys to maybe playing out of position and guys that were just coming back from injury. Um, overall, you know, I think that's the frustration of the season. Convinced there is a there's a team and some performances in there. we Just don't seem to be able to unlock it yet.
0: Yeah, um, I'm gonna give it to despite the fact he dived out the way for the penalty kick. I'm gonna give it to Kel Russe. I thought if My, it was good, if if indeed that save that I think was a save on the bar was indeed it's outrageous, a save, <laughs> then it's, save outrageous. it's a save, yeah. probably quite possibly one of the best saves I've ever seen at Patadri. So for that alone, I'll probably give it to, to big Kel Roos Will that do us on that one, Graham? Yes, excellent. Let's move on. Latest news from uh, AB24, Merkle Roadway. Uh, pretty quiet one this week, um, other than the confirmation that Robbie Hedman would be making the move to become commercial director at the club on a permanent basis, having been working in that role on an interim level since the departure of Rob Wicks to Teca. Hedman, a former youth player with the Dons, uh, before returning to the club in 2016, initially as a coach within Community Trust before moving into a business development role. And now with commercial director... I mean in fairness all my dealings with Robbie on a kind of business level to date have been very positive he's a really engaging very passionate individual but his job and the club so hopefully he can continue what has been um, I guess one of the parts of the club that's been functioning very well over the last few years Graham off the park in the commercial department yes uh,
1: so I think he's going to it's going to be a tough gig to sort of maintain the current level of act, uh, from that point of view and then obviously try and and expand it and try and generate some extra cash for the the club as a whole but i suppose selfishly for the the first team and see what we can try and do um and then you know in the next maybe i suppose january but in the summer
0: window robbie's also a very tall lad so if we ever need anyone to throw into the last minute battering ram box then maybe there's somebody lurking in the director's box now so all the very best to robbie and his step up um I'm sure like I say he'll give it a good crack. He's done very well in the interim role since he's been there. So um fingers crossed, all the all the best to him. Uh on to the quines. Um, let's just say probably the least said about this one, the better, Graham. A 13-13-nil defeat at Celtic in SWPL1 this afternoon. Uh yeah, that's I'm not sure anyone wants to relive that. So yeah, pretty bad day in the office. Yeah, indeed. Let's move on from that. Onto the young team. A return to action for them in the Youth Cup. And this was an incredibly impressive performance for the young Dons as they triumphed over Kilmarnock in the fourth round. Killy, who are currently top of the cast under 18 league. And they also dished out a 4-1 defeat to the Dons just last month. And when Ellis Clark was sent off for Aberdeen just two minutes into the game, it would have been easy to fear the worst. But the Dons putting in an unbelievable performance to win this one by four goals to nil. Goals from Finlay Marshall, Cami Wilson and a brace from a returning Alfie Babbage. Seeing the Dons come through this one and they head into the draw for the quarterfinals. Next up for them is a visit of Dundee Knight to Cormac Park on Friday in the cast under 18. On to Lone Watch. Kieran Neguena at Park Thistle, no, not in the squads. Um, I'm going to presume that he may have been barred from doing so by the Dons as Partick Thistle beat Queen's Park by three goals to nil in the Scottish Cup. Evan Towler at Montrose again, not in the squad as Montrose progressed in the cup with a 3-0 win over just Edinburgh. Alfie Babbage, we just touched on him at Kelty. He missed out, presumably for the same reason as Nguyen at Park. This on, presumably the Dons don't want the likes of Babbage to be cup-tied. Uh, Kelty sprung a bit of a shock as they beat Hamilton by two goals to nil in the Scottish Cup third round. Aaron Reid, he did play, came off the bench for Peterhead as they were knocked out of the Scottish Cup uh, with a 2-1 defeat by Air United. Liam Harvey and Blair McKenzie, uh, no game for them for Elgin on, at the weekend as they had been spanked out of the Scottish Cup by Genefield Swifts. In the last round, the and Adam Emsley for, for Martin. They both started as for Martin went down by three goals to nil at Falkirk in the Scottish Cup to bring their run in the tournament to an end. Former Don Ethan Ross, one of the goal scorers for the Bairns in that one. Finlay Murray at Turriff United, another start and a goal this week for Finlay as Turriff routed Strathspey Thistle by eight goals to one in the Highland League. Kevin Henratti, no place in the squad for him as Bucky held out for a 2-2 draw at Broxburn Athletic in the Scottish Cup. And despite being down to 10 men from the 22nd minute, they then went on to win it. Five-four on penalty kicks to take their place in the fourth round of the Scottish Cup. And as we just touched on earlier on, landing the tie at Parkhead in round four. Jaden Richardson at Stockport County came off the bench as Stockport's winning run came to a shuddering halt as they were being 2-1 at Newport County in League Two. And then finally... Last, but, well, perhaps least, Anthony Stewart at MK Dons. No place again in the squad for Big T as MK Dons won 4-2 at Connor McClennan's Salford City. Graham, will that do us for this first half? I think it shall. I think it shall. Indeed. Join us after the break where we'll talk about HJK Helsinki and hips. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you by Do and Co. On Belmont Street Aberdeen. Enjoy freshly topped donuts, coffee, milkshakes, soup, pies, bagels, and much, much more available every day of the week. Come along and enjoy their daily deals, such as black coffee and a mini donut for just one pound, or a bagel and a soft drink for only a fiver. Join the guys seven days a week on Belmont Street between eight and eight, and available 24-7 at your Welcome back to the ABZFP. Now, before we move on to talk about the trip to Helsinki and the trip to Leith this week, just a quick shout out to those of you continuing to make your contributions to the Beer and Coffee Fund this week, including Big Cootsie in Sydney. We see you, we acknowledge you, your bread's appreciated. If you'd like to help keep us fueled in beers or coffees, please head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ, the football podcast. The link is in the description. It is. Much appreciated. Now, Graham, back on to another doubleheader preview. This season just will not stop. First up, we wrap up our travels in Europe this season with a visit to the cold climes of Finland on Thursday evening to face off against HJK. Since our last meeting with the Finns, a 1-1 draw at Pataudry, HJK have managed to stumble over the line to secure the Finnish title, a fourth title in a row. They did, though, have two defeats in the final two games, which did mean that they ended up leveling points with Koops, but did win the league on goal difference, uh, twenty four for HDK to Koops' is 21. They then followed that up with back-to-back defeats to Eintracht Frankfurt in Europe, a 6-0 thumping in Germany and a 1-0 defeat in Helsinki last time out. So by the time the game against the Dons rolls around on Thursday night. They all have had no competitive fixture since that track game on the 9th of uh, 9th of November. The finished season wrapped up on the 21st of October. Um, so there may be a, an opportunity here for HJK, perhaps coming in a little bit undercooked. Um, because of the fact their season is ended now, there's not really much else to add to the preview we did last time round about them. Boyan Radulovic, the Serbian striker, was the man we highlighted in our preview for the last game, and don't say we're not good to you, because it was he who, of course, scored in the 1-1 draw at Potodri, and it's probably fair to say he remains one to watch. I don't know what the Serbia and Montenegro relationship is like now. Of course, Rubezic now Montenegrin, rather than being Serbian. Is he now wanting to like really smash through Radulovic in the return leg as a result of that? Who knows? Let's wait and see. Thoughts, though, Graham. I mean, it's a bit of a funny one now, isn't it? The two remaining Conference League games, because obviously neither ourselves nor HGK can can, can qualify um, so they are dead robbers to all intents and purposes but do we need to really go out here and try and put in a performance and, and, and try and win this one on Thursday night yes are you saying that through a vested interest perspective because we're travelling or
1: no they're, so no you, you want to win every game and there are there's cash money on the table and there's coefficient points, so I think it's an important match and ultimately do you want to finish bottom of the league? Or the group rather? So I think it is uh, I think it's important that we, we go out and we should have beaten them at Potaudry, so I don't see a, any reason why we shouldn't be beating them next week.
0: Yeah, it is that one, isn't it? I think as well it's um, I think I, I spoke about it I can't remember who I spoke about with earlier in the week, but it feels to me it would be a crying shame for us to come out of the group without winning a game because we should have beaten Helsinki, we should have beaten Peoke at Petaudry as well. Um, it, this game probably gives us the best opportunity to, to at least put three points on the boards in the group because I think by the time the Ayn game rolls around we will have all eyes on the cup final a couple of days and after that, that.
1: And given that we can't do anything in the, you know, unfortunately in the group stage we should have all eyes on the cup final so I'm absolutely fine with that but we, we don't at this point, so we should be going out
0: to try and win for Thursday night as well. Do you think that the club, the team, the manager have got a bit of a, um, a bit of a duty, so to speak? For there's there's a lot of people. There's you know, 1,500 Aberdeen fans who've paid good money to travel to Helsinki. They they kind of have a bit of a duty to put out a decent team. I think.
1: I think so. I would say you've got that regardless, but I would imagine most people who are, you know, going to the the final game on the 14th of December against Frankfurt are probably looking at it and saying, well, you know, if they haven't bought a ticket probably not bother keep yourself for the, the cup final and if you're if you're going to the cup final you're probably saying well I understand that that's got to yeah. be the focus we can't do anything in the group stage so you can probably you can probably accept that you can rationalise that can't you you can rationalise that I think or I, I can at least but it's disrespectful I think if you don't take the game seriously on Thursday I don't see why you wouldn't
0: in terms of personnel shape then you expecting shape could be interesting because of the fact we went back to three five two today Personnel. do you expect to see something kind of akin to what we, what we saw today against against Sevco? I'd probably
1: expect to see Baron or Provara start. Maybe. Um, other than that, I don't. He's going to keep playing Miowski so he should, because he's in he's in good form. And the, the rest of the team has kind of been picking itself. To be honest, I don't know whether Magari's fit enough for a whole game
0: might be an interesting I'm, one Magari as well, because it is a plastic pitch. You might not want to risk somebody who's coming off a muscle injury. Yeah, so maybe you don't want to take a chance there, which I don't
1: know. Did you say Mackenzie was injured? He was injured today, yeah. yeah. Okay, so no idea what sort of injury he's got, if he'll be available, or whether they would want to take a chance. So which probably makes you think you're looking at what you got today, because if a couple of guys that might come in might not be available, then I'm not really sure what else he can... There's not really much else he can is not in those positions in a way
0: Jinky goes back to two up top we well, haven't seen two up top in Europe I don't think now since the HGK game at home we went with one up top against Pale Cable home and away. way um, Jinky goes back to two up top which we saw this afternoon at Sev or does he go back to that kind of more European formation of one I'd like to see us go two uh, I think you what, I want us to do I,
1: up... I, I don't disagree I think that worked today I would expect us to have enough of the ball on Thursday did it all work? And I also expect Helsinki to, you know, they'll see this is a good opportunity for them. So that should, so that that counter, counter attacking approach should probably work for us because I would expect them to be a bit more open and there'd be the space for that to work. But I think you'll, I think I'll go with one.
0: One thing I would say for a lot of people who maybe look at it and think that the HTK game provides the best opportunity and I think it does realistically provide the best opportunity for us to pick up three points in the group. But um their home record in Europe is generally very good. Um, obviously they got beat um 6-0 by Frankfurt um away from home but it's a one-nil defeat last time out HGK a goal disallowed in there that you know when you look back on it I'm not entirely sure why it was disallowed. They only got beaten by one goal by POK as well decent record over the last couple of seasons in the likes of Europa League etc they, they they played well against Roma as well in Europa League so there are no mugs at home it's fair to say but we might get a little bit fortunate in the sense that as a on earlier on they've not really had very much competitive football since their domestic season wrapped up have we had too much? well there we go and we're travelling
1: I kind of hope that Helsinki forgot they had this and all the contracts expired <laughs> <laughs> you know, two weeks ago <laughs> and they're just
0: scrambling around just a bunch of randoms just being yeah. picked out of the crowd exactly it should be um, should be an experience I think it's fair to say it's looking like it's going to be um, nippy is probably the best way to put it in Finland over the course of the week ahead so obviously if you're travelling out there hopefully everyone has a, a grand old time in the Finnish capital and um, don't end up with fucking hypothermia it would be good um, we'll move on to talk a little bit more we spoke to Ali Manson from the Escape to Suomi podcast last time round when we played HJK, we joined uh, ali again for a quick chat just to kind of get a feel for how HJK's season really kind of wrapped up and i guess what the 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 perception of HJK's performance at patology had been last time around here's ali manson from the escape to suomi podcast ali welcome back to the abz football podcast how's it going
2: yeah it's going well Um, thank you for inviting me back on
0: uh, not a problem at all. It was, it was such a good first time round that we thought, why would we not get you back again? I managed about... to make
2: a good impression. Well, let's let's not ruin it this time round.
0: Absolutely, definitely. So yeah, obviously back again to talk about the return visit of Aberdeen to Helsinki to take on HGK in the Conference League on, on Thursday evening. And I guess, um, first of all, let's just take a quick look back at the earlier fixture between the sides. So a 1-1 draw up to One that I think, you know, most Aberdeen fans certainly were disappointed with in terms of the result, um, if not the performance thought on the whole was okay. But how was the kind of performance and I guess the result viewed back in back in Finland?
2: Yeah, I, I think if you were to offer um, the Helsinki fans a draw before the game, they would have taken it. Um, I mean, I, I, I was actually... it was, The performance from, from us was what I was expecting, sort of trying to disrupt the game a little bit, keep it tight... And then, yeah, catch you guys on the break, and you know that's why I think I remember saying on, on the last pod that I would imagine that uh, Keskinen and Radulovic were going to start up top, and and they did, and um, obviously Radulovic got the goal, um, and so I, I think generally everyone was quite pleased because also in the first game against Pauk, I, I thought I thought we were unlucky to lose, maybe not necessarily win the game, but certainly to lose. So it was it was good to get a point on the board at that point. And of course, that has been the last point that we've had in the group. So uh, I still have fond memories of it, that's for
0: sure. Yeah, I mean, since that game, obviously, HK uh, have somewhat stumbled over the line to secure the finished title, a fourth title in a row. Two defeats in the final two games meant that it went down to goal difference, um, 24 yeah. goal, a positive 24, sorry, to Koops' positive 21. Seeing the title head back to to Helsinki. That was then followed up with back to back defeats to Eintracht in Europe, a 6 0 hammering in Frankfurt followed up by a one 0 defeat in Helsinki last time around. And I guess this is one of the interesting parts now about the way that the you know the summer football um season works and everything now is that by the time the game against Aberdeen rolls around, there's been no competitive fixture for HJK since that Eintracht game on the 9th of November. Um is there a risk there that they come into this game a little bit undercooked, possibly? Yeah, there is, a, there is a risk. I mean,
2: it's something that Helsinki are used to when they get into European yeah. competition at the time of the year. Um, and I mean, look, anyone can go to Frankfurt and, and lose. <laughs> and particularly Helsinki definitely deserved to lose that game. 6-0 was quite quite heavy. And it was also a few days after sealing the league title as well. So I don't know whether there was a, a literal hangover <laughs> <laughs> for that game but they, they hadn't played for a couple of weeks prior to the, the home game last week and equipped themselves really well and scored a legitimate goal that was ruled offside that no one in Finland has worked out what for <laughs> um, I'm not saying that it was going to finish 1-1 but it would have made it 1-1 at that point so I, I I think the argument of being slightly undercooked for the game is, is legitimate um, but I think it's also something that they are used to around here. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed it, they'll at least come out fighting, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's quite an interesting piece because obviously Aberdeen and, and our manager, Barry Robson, have been moaning the sheer number of games we've been having to play recently. And then we'll come into this one yeah. uh, off the back of playing uh, Rangers off the back of an international break. There's not that much of a break for us. We have to, we've got quite a number of guys away with their international teams as well. And I guess... When we spoke before, I think there was there was a huge amount of belief, given the way that the draw had come out, the teams that were involved, that I don't think there's a lot of belief in Finland that could necessarily get out of the group, but they've certainly been competitive at home, which is what we just touched upon there. They know, losing by one goal to Eintracht, only by one goal to POK as well. Um, like Aberdeen, I presume now then that HGK are looking at this game in Finland as each side's final opportunity potentially to leave the group with a victory.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think you're right, and I think maybe even before the, you know, the the fixtures were sort of laid out that as soon as Hoyakor drawing Aberdeen, it was maybe only the realistic home win. I I think with with Pauk, again, probably deserved a draw. And then, you know, playing Frankfurt is just, it's, you know, it's a wonderful game. It's one of the reasons why you want to be playing in Europe. Um, But I I guess at, at least on, at least on paper, Helsinki look at the Aberdeen game and think that's our our best chance. That they're still expecting a really tough game. Like I don't think anyone's expecting this. Like no one's predicting like a uh, an, an easy game or like a three 0 win or anything like that. I think if if there is going to be a winner, it's probably still going to be by the odd goal. Because mm-hmm. um, Helsinki just do raise their game at, at home uh, and also the artificial pitch helps as well. The players are used to that. Um, and I know actually, I mean, you've got a few artificial pitches in, in Scotland, so it's probably not as tricky for the Aberdeen players, I suppose. I mean, I, I might be speaking for you there, but um, um, there's obviously not that many in, in Germany and to my knowledge, not that many in Greece.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah. It'll be interesting. How it plays. I mean, Aberdeen's uh, this season, we've played Livingston and Comarnik both away from home, both who have artificial pitches. Um yeah played poorly at Kilmarnock, got beat 2-0 and a 0-0 draw in, um, in Livingston on the opening day of the season. So normally our record on Astro Turf's is not bad, but it always, I think, depends on how good the Astro is as well sometimes. The one at Kilmarnock yeah. in particular is absolutely fucking horrific. So um <laughs> we'll wait and see how, how that pans out. And it's it's this weird thing, because I think from from an Aberdeen perspective, and I think even a lot of third parties looking on to Aberdeen's European campaign this season so far would probably agree that we're very unfortunate I think to be sitting at this moment in the time in, in the group with with just the two points to our name I think um, we look at the the Helsinki game at home I think we probably had enough of that game to win it um, but yeah. you know the goal we conceded is a really silly one to lose at the time and we had chances um, that we didn't quite take we should have beaten Pauk at home being 2-0 up with, with 17 minutes to yeah. go is is, is unforgivable um, and it's that it's, it's just it's such a like if my auntie had bollocks kind of thing that we could be theoretically coming into the game against Helsinki sitting on seven points level with pay okay and all to play for. But it isn't to be. So like I say, I think all of us are just hoping we get at least a win out of the group stage this season. And it's, it's probably likely to come down to to this one. Uh, we just touched on it as well. Boyan uh, Radulovic was the man who we targeted in the preview, who we spoke about a lot. Um, he was the one who scored the goal at Patology. A really good finish, in fairness to him. Still the man to watch?
2: I mean, I hope so. He was injured for the... Um... Frankfurt game. So Helsinki then had to play with Santoli Hostika up front, um, who in the sort of like false nine kind of situation. So, and yeah, he doesn't often play there. And we definitely missed what Radulovic can offer, both from set pieces and just holding the ball up. So I'm hoping that he's going to be fit for for the game. Um, If he is, obviously, then it's a major plus for Helsinki. Um he has been, uh, I, 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 sure, I would go as far to say as a revelation this season, because last year he, he he played all right, but didn't get as many goals as maybe he should have done. Whereas this season he scored over 20 um, in league and European football. So um, I, I would say between him and uh, the pace of, um, of Keskinen uh, are, again, the two players uh,
0: to look out for. Should we expect Helsinki to be a bit more in the front foot? in this one than they were epitology
2: yeah i would think so because i mean they don't have anything to lose like they have two games left this is the last home game of the season the last home game um of the manager because we're changing managers uh during pre-season so i would imagine they would go for it i mean i was surprised because normally helsinki against the better teams play like a, a three five two three four three kind of thing um but it, it was 4-5-1 against Frankfurt. And even though it was a false nine, it still felt like we had more attackers on the pitch. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they did something similar, um, just trying to fit in a few more attacking players uh, in there. Because, yeah, as I said, they, they've they probably pinpointed this game as the game that if they are going to get a win at home, it, it could be Aberdeen and... Uh, If Radulovic is fit, I I would imagine they'll put some pace around him. So um, obviously from a Helsinki point of view, that's what we're hoping for.
0: More importantly, a healthy Aberdeen support expected to make the trip to Finland. The way in sold out. So Ali, come on, tips, suggestions on things to do, to see in Helsinki. And let's be honest, more importantly, the best places to grab a beer or two.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, there's there's quite a few, I think, uh, in and around the stadium. I, I would say that I would just sort of Uh, be aware that they might be full of home fans as well. So, um, uh, I mean, you've you've got plenty around the centre. If you go anywhere in in and around um, uh, the station, you'll find your sort of standard uh, pubs and bars and and that that kind of thing. Uh, If it's a nice day, I'd go for a walk along the coast. Uh, It is really starting to get a bit bit nippy now. So uh, I would recommend whoever is coming over to Helsinki that if you think you've brought enough clothes, bring another layer. Just have that (laughs) voice in your head. Maybe if you've got some old football socks as well, you might need to double sock it.
0: Lovely. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Great stuff. Listen, mate. Um, Predictions then for this one? Uh,
2: As it's our final home game of the season, I think I need to go positive. (laughs) Uh, And uh, I'm going to say it's going to be 2-1. I do see Aberdeen scoring. Um, So, yeah, 2-1 to Helsinki.
0: Excellent. Great stuff. Ali, Manson, it's been great to have you back again on the APZ Football Podcast. Um, Looking forward to the trip. Um, And yeah, hey, we'll uh, maybe get you a beer shout as well while we're there to uh, thank you for your contributions.
2: Yeah, a- absolutely. I look forward to seeing you all next week.
0: Great stuff. Ali, all the very best. Take care. Stand free. Cheers. Bye-bye. So there we go, Graham. Um, Both teams, I think, coming into this one feeling that they have the best opportunity to get three points on the board on Thursday night your predictions are the dons going to go out there and at least put in a decent performance away in europe and come away with some points
1: i really hope so and i think they i don't know do you ever owe a fan base who are fortunate enough to travel to these places but i feel like we're due something in return for the the group stage because although it's been it's been good and it's been good to be back in europe probably been too greedy it feels like a little bit of a missed opportunity. I think it does. Uh, we should have beaten. We should have beaten Helsinki. We'd have been right in the mix.
0: If we'd done that in drama and drawn with POK, we'd be sitting level on points with POK coming in the last two games.
1: So I feel yes, I think we could have. We could have gotten something out of this.
0: Yeah, so I think, I think, so I think it's well.
1: important that we. I know there's the there's money and there's the coefficient points, but from a sort of pride and a prestige point of view, I think you want to go out and show the people that we are we are a decent side. I know you were saying their their home record's good and that, that's absolutely valid, but unless they're totally transformed when they play at home, I didn't see that much of them at Bataudre that I thought was all that great. We just switched off, which we are prone to do.
0: <laughs> indeed, indeed so, we are. So <laughs> uh I'm ah, fuck it, two one dons. 2-1 dons, love it, great stuff I, I'm going to say we're going to do it as well I think um, we're going to wrap up the the, the League campaign with a, a win here and a draw home to Frankfurt and end up with like 5 points or something in the group, which would still be very disappointing, but not to have done more, but it'll be what it is um, Goals from Miofsky and Esther Sokler, again 2 nil to Aberdeen in Helsinki If you are travelling over to Finland of course, um, and you happen to spot us, give us a shout and Gavin will buy you a beer Moving next on to next weekend, Sunday. <clears throat> um, cinch action. Thick and fast, another trip away from home. This time it is to Hibs. I'll tell you what, Graham, some job by the fixture computer this season. It's true that out of our four away games in Europe, we've had three away games in the league to follow them up with. It's all random. It is indeed. It is indeed. Um, it feels just like yesterday that we were facing off against Hibs at Hamden in the League Cup semi-final. The Dawn's, of course, eventually squeaking through that one by one goal to nil. Hibs, two nil winners, of course, at Potosier earlier in the campaign. Hibs have been unbeaten since we beat them at Hamden, a draw at St. Mirren, followed up by single goal victories over Kilmarnock and then at Dundee on Saturday afternoon with the odd goal in three. It does mean, though, that Nick Montgomery's record reads 11 games, three wins, six draws, and two defeats overall, which is a win percentage of just 27%. Although Hibs are also now up to fifth in the table on 18 points. It does feel important that we start to claw back points on the likes of Hibs and Hearts, doesn't it? As as our European campaign now tails off. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Every week that goes by and we don't do it. And they continue to pick up points. Not necessarily just Hibs, but the teams you would expect to be competing with for third. It just becomes harder and harder. So, I mean, what's admitting third on 22, having played 13 games, so... You're nine points behind St. Men and you've only got one game in hand on them. So still only, you know, till end of November, there's still time, but it becomes harder and harder. So yeah, I think we, if the season's ever going to get going and we're going to achieve something at the league, surely it's got to get going sometime soon.
0: They are going to be without Lewis Miller, of course, the um, pantomime villain from Hamden. He was sent off against Dundee at the weekend. They're still persisting with that four four two formation. Looks like it'll probably be a relatively similar side to the one that we faced at Hamden. Uh, although without Miller, obviously, uh, Johan's been kind of in and out of the team since Hamden. I don't know if they're still struggling to reboot him. Um, maybe try to get a factory reset carried out. He's um, still there, is he? I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Who knows? Um, at Hamden, we were really badly overrun in the centre of the park. Something we just touched about again um, in the game against Sevco on Sunday. It is something that feels like it needs to be addressed. It needs to be addressed very fucking quickly.
1: Yes. But I don't know how you're addressing that. Uh, and obviously, you've got to sort of limp along until January at the earliest. And even then, unless we know who we want and we're close to doing that, it's always pretty It's pretty tough to get someone decent. I think we're just
0: snatching Ramadani opinion. from under the noses of Inter Milan. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think we've got. You've got a good midfield from the point of view of good footballers and there. some good attacking talent. But I just feel like, yeah, in certain games, we're, we just don't seem to have that edge that you need to actually win that battle.
0: Third-highest scorers in the league at the moment, Hibs, with 20. Um, those goals were kind of really spread out amongst the side. You've got Josh Campbell, who's our top scorer, with just three. Defensively, they are still pretty suspect, 21 conceded. So far, so I think when you see those stats as well, 24, 21 against, that probably explains why they're drawing so many games. All of the same things that we spoke about pre-Hamden, I think, still apply. They certainly look to keep a hold of the ball. They look to try and build out from the back. They're not overly direct. Um, They don't really try to get through the lines particularly quickly to to hit the wide areas and then get balls into the box. Um, It's going to be an interesting one. Easter Road's not been a particularly... Happy hunting ground for us in recent seasons. Um, after we'd gone through a spell under Dan McKinnis and Cole, where it felt like we won there every time we went to Leith, um, it's going to be a tricky one for us again, isn't it? Hebs will come into the game relatively fresh as a daisy. We do have the the, the trip to Helsinki. It's going to be interesting. I, I, I'm not sure. I see Robson again. We've spoken about so much on the show already. Don't see him really mucking about with the team too much. Probably a couple of changes here and there, but it's a big game, isn't it? And all these, these are all big games that are coming kind of thick and fast at this moment in time.
1: Yeah. Because at some point
0: soon, if we don't get going, the pressure is just going to be back on them. Like I say, it's hard to talk about the Hibs game because it feels like we just spoke about Hibs not that long ago. So I feel like we can kind of cut this short because... I, I know. I
1: I Different, sort of obviously different occasion because Hamden's quite wide pitch so that maybe suited you know it's maybe a little easier to contain them a little bit um better but ultimately yeah i think it's going to be i mean we were we weren't particularly good that game got through it and that's kind of how it feels like it's probably going to go
0: yeah i think it'd be quite a tight game
1: i think it will be quite a tight game and to be honest if our defense is switched on i think we've got enough to cause them problems and you can cause them problems it's just both teams are kind of similar in so much as there's goals in both teams but also there's moments of hilarity <laughs> Um so a draw is on maybe that not basis, unreasonable right? yeah
0: <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say a draw seems of like an extremely likely scenario based on this form like I said earlier on under Montgomery and just where we're at at this moment in time. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised to see that happen at all. My um, score draws become of my bet, I think. Right, will that do us? Yes, I think it shall. That will wrap up this week's episode of the ABZ Football Podcast. Thank you again for joining us. Please remember to like, subscribe, follow whatever you might do in your podcast player of choice. Join us next time out for episode 138, where we will attempt to look back at our trip to Helsinki. We'll talk about the game against... Hibs and then we'll look ahead to another header of a week with two home games in a week. It feels like that's not happened at all this season so far as Kilmarnock and Derek McInnes return on the Wednesday before Hearts. Travel north to Potaudry at the weekend. We'll look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with the Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters, Claudry Stadium, for free on match days. Come on, you Reds.